So Sonny said at the beginning, listen to the lyrics of the words. The songs were specifically designed to fit with the message. Did you get any hint of the theme out of the words for what the message will be about? One word, yell it out. Power. Power. I want to go through the introduction and review, but I really want to jump right to the message because it's all about power. It's something God wants to address with the church. I probably shouldn't say this up front, but it's something that has been stolen from the church. It's something that is so needed by the church in these days ahead. 2024 is going to be a great year, but there are definitely going to be clashes with the enemy. And the church is going to have to meet the power of the enemy with the power of Christ in us. Introduction and review. We went through Christmas celebrating the birth of Jesus. Spent two weeks celebrating the birth of Jesus. Then last week, we had our traditional end-of-year service, sharing testimonies of what God has done, 2023, what he is doing, and what we're anticipating he will do in 2024. And by the way, thank you for sharing. I heard much positive feedback throughout the week on the testimonies. And as always, let this be a word for future reference. I was hardly even out of the church last Sunday. And four people said to me, boy, I had something to share, Pastor, but I didn't get up there. Today we get back to our series in Ephesians. And the last time we were in Ephesians, it was chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. We used a very generic title, simply, More on Prayer. This passage is the second intercessory prayer of Paul for the Ephesians. And we said back then, there is additional stuff we can learn about prayer. We said, God seems to want to address again with us the topic of prayer. The theme today is power, but it's under the category of intercessory prayer. Two, th two things we learned in general back then. The relational nature of prayer. Father is a relational term. We pray out of relationship with God. When you're praying, when we're praying, we're not praying to a stranger. He's our Father. We want to know Him. The words of that song, I don't want to talk about you as if you're not in the room, referring to God. I want to talk right to you. I want to look right at you. We pray out of relationship. Many of us throw up words and we're not even aware of God's presence while we're praying. And God wants to change that just to make it more effective. It's not a punishment. It's to change it. It's good for us and it makes it more effective. But that was then. The other thing we learned, and then I want to quickly get to today, is the biblical protocol of prayer. We pray out of relationship because Father is a relational term. We begin or we address our praying. When we go to prayer, we pray to our Heavenly Father. At least that's the biblical pattern. That's the biblical protocol. Now, to this week. Same passage, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, and I'll have Melissa come. And she's going to read for us. We'll all stand together. We stand to honor God's word as Melissa reads. 
Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us to accomplish infinite... Yeah, yeah, anyway, glory to him. I'm sorry, I lost my place. More than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That verse is so powerful, you can hardly get it out. That's what it is. Stay seated. So I'm so excited to preach this, to talk about this with you, fully knowing that it's going to be very hard for us to accept and receive. We may have heard it before, and maybe we didn't, but whether we did or didn't, it's still something that's very hard for the church in our generation, the church of this day, to receive. We need God to release faith. Maybe I'll ask that right now. Father, as your word comes forth, will you open our eyes of understanding to, to hear, and would you release faith to believe? Thank you. In Jesus' name. So today's title is Conduits of Power. Probably a better title as I think about it would be Conduits of His Power, but it's Conduits of Power. We're going to begin to look at the content of this second intercessory prayer of Paul for the Ephesians. From these recorded intercessory prayers, there was one in chapter 1 and two classic ones. There's one in chapter 1 and there's one in chapter 3. And, of course, there's other classic prayers of his for other churches in other letters. And from his praying, we can learn timeless principles. We don't have to pray the exact same thing that he does, but... That might not be bad either. But there are timeless principles in his praying for us today. We're only going to cover verse 16. The remainder of the verses that Melissa read for us, they sort of rest on verse 16. Verse 16 is sort of the foundation on the, which those other verses are built. Or maybe better said, the other verses that come are a result of this verse 16. The other, the additional content of the prayer sort of rests on, the res and it's the results of verse 16. Ephesians 3, 16. I pray, that's Paul, from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. We'll focus on the word empower, empower. 
and its root word, power. The thought here is actually very interesting. Although it is clearly God's power, notice, it's His glorious unlimited resources. It's through His Spirit that it comes. It's obviously God's power, but... The emphasis is on the you. The emphasis is on the Ephesian believers. Paul is praying for them. The accent of this passage is on them. If you remember a lesson from grammar school, subjects, predicates, and objects, when you're talking about sentences, you aced that, right, right Richard? You aced grammar? The subject here is God. The predicate is empowering, God empowering. And the object of God's empowering, and this is the important part for us, the object of God's empowering is us. It was the Ephesian believers at that time. It's us now as we read it. Are you with me on that? That's the emphasis. It's the accent. Paul prays that God, the subject, will empower, that's the predicate or the verb or the action word, them. That's the object of the prayer, the recipients of the action. As I said, to me at least, this gets very interesting, and it's going to take some faith for us to receive it. The word power, it's the root word of empower, and it means ability. It has everything to do with ability, to be able To be capable. Power is the sufficient ability to be fully capable of achieving, accomplishing, carrying out a task. In this context, of course, God's will. It's all that's necessary. All the ability that's necessary. I got that for you. You dropped it. Yep, there it is. Power is all the ability that's necessary to be fully capable to carry out the the task that God gives us. Now, this particular word power, though, also carries a sense of energy, to be full of energy. Honestly, Christians should not be lethargic. Christians should not be complacent. Christians should not be Eeyore's. We are filled with the energy of God. And that's intentional on his part. We are to be the energizer bunny. We keep on going. Power is the sufficient energy for achieving and accomplishing and carrying out a task, any task that God gives us. I can't do it is not an acceptable excuse when God calls us to do something. I can't do that. I'd never be able to do that. Oh, not me. Ephesians 3.16, again, different, different emphasis now this time or different notice. Something different I want us to notice. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, 
He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. This time notice inner strength. The power comes through his spirit to our spirit. Power is an internal strength. It's an internal ability. It's a capability. It's an energy. Also notice here it says unlimited resources. Since it's God's own power, it's unlimited. The power of God within us. There's no impossibilities for it. It's God's power. It's limitless. It's infinite. It's all-powerful energy and ability and capability. And here's the key that we've missed for so many years. It's in us. We know he's that, right? But it's in us. Therefore, grab onto your pew. Nothing is impossible for us. Nothing is beyond our scope to accomplish. All things are possible to which God calls us. We sell ourselves short. Satan helps us with that. And I've said to us many times, and I'll say it, to you, I need to hear it. You are so much more than you realize you are in Christ. And Satan doesn't want you to realize who you are. And neither does the world. Here's where it gets really interesting, I think. I believe this is something God wants to reveal to us. I believe it's something God wants to address with us and his church in the days ahead. We've heard, it, we've heard it before, most likely. We need to hear it again. It's something that we often miss. We have been deceived by the enemy, and he has stolen this teaching from the church for years, probably centuries. We all know God is mighty. We all know God is powerful. That's undeniable, right? But according to verse 16, where does Paul pray that this power will reside? Where? Within the believer. Paul is praying for the Ephesian believers to become mighty and to become powerful in Christ. I pray that from his glorious, it's his power, we know that. But I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. You and me, strengthened with the very power of God himself to display to the world, to operate in the world. You and me, conduits of his power. He's praying for them in context, the Ephesian believers, basically for all believers of all time. He's praying for them that they'll become a voice for righteousness to be heard in the world, just like Jesus was. He's praying for them to become a force for righteousness to be reckoned with in the world, just like Jesus was. The last word that should characterize the church is wimpy or weak. The Ephesian believers were ordinary believers. 
Nothing special. They were ordinary believers such as we are, such as you and me. Yet, they somehow tapped into this glorious, unlimited power of Christ, God the Holy Spirit, in them. It became a premier New Testament church. Remember this verse? John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Think about that. Don't just read it. Don't just listen, but think about that. What's it saying? I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, Jesus speaking, will do the same works I have done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. God keeps bringing us back to this verse, doesn't he? And each time he does, it seems just a little bit more believable, doesn't it? When you first read it, you think, there's no way I could do that. Then God begins to show you, it's not you, actually, that has to do it. It's me in you, although you will do it, and I'll show you that from Scripture. You will do it, but it's me in you. Oh, well, maybe, maybe then it's possible. The power of God himself dwells in me. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in me. Hey, this thing's starting to look a, a bit more possible now. And that it's God's will for us that he's calling us to this, that the world desperately needs it, that unbelievers desperately need us to walk in this, hey, this is starting to seem a little more plausible. Each time he brings this to us, brings this verse to us, it's just a bit more believable especially as we begin to realize the incredible power. Ephesians chapter 3 is all about the power, and it ends with that verse 20 and 21 that Melissa stumbled over because the verse is so powerful, it's hard to just get it out there. That's what Ephesians 3 is all about, and that's where we are, by design, by his design, not by my design. You are so much more than you realize you are in Christ whether you've been in Christ for a few days or whether you've been in Christ for a lifetime. When you accepted Christ, this all came into you. You didn't get a piece of the Holy Spirit or a fraction of God's power. Now, there's a learning curve as we learn to walk in it, but you received it all at the moment of your salvation. The power of Christ in us to accomplish the works of Christ for us or that he has designed for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, anybody who trusts in me, anybody who has, has come to me and put their faith in me, they're born again. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I'm in. Are you in? How many are in? Wow, if this many people will actually get in, we're going to be a force to be reckoned with as a church. A force for righteousness. Not a force to add notches to our belt or puff ourselves up, but a force for righteousness. To bring about God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That's our purpose. And that he be glorified through it. 
We start taking the glory for himself, for ourselves. He'll shut it off quick. Here's another thought. Relevant for today, I feel. Not today, this particular Sunday, but today, the day in which we live. This is a very relevant thought. Since his power is in us, then evil cannot stand against us. Yeah, we're a little, little timid on that, some of us. Because the enemy has intimidated us so bad that we sort of eke that out. Yeah, that, that's true. Because of his power in us, the evil one cannot stand against us. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's better. Easy to preach on Sunday morning, much harder to live Monday morning, but we got to start doing it. Evil cannot overcome Christ's church. Well, support that for me, Pastor. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus speaking. I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. God keeps bringing this verse back to us as well, doesn't he? And each time he brings it back, it's a bit more believable, isn't it? God raising up a force to be reckoned with in the world, as Steve prayed in his prayer, to face up against evil. God bringing a voice of righteousness through the church into the world to speak truth and impact and change our culture. Call out lies where they're lies. Not to go out there and accost people. We're never called to do that. But where God brings the opportunity and we can speak truth against deception, where we can speak truth against lies, we're to do so. This is a very timely truth for the day in which we live. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let's close this message with some scripture for us to think about, to think seriously about. I said right up front, this is going to be hard for us with the present mindsets we have to grasp and to believe and to start walking in. But I'm think, I think of verse uh, Romans 12 where it says, don't any longer be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, mindsets that we have had. But rather, let God change you by changing the way you think. And the way he changes the way we think is he keeps bringing the word to us. He keeps bringing these verses to us, and at first we're like, no, that's not for today. Well, wait a minute. You know what I think? He keeps bringing the word to us, bringing the word to us, and it slowly changes the way we think. So you're going to hear something today that might be the first time, and you'll be like, uh... But I want you to give it some thought at least. Don't just write it off, okay? It's going to be scripture. It's not just my opinion. <coughs> so we're going to close with some scriptures to think about. Then we're going to make an application. Luke 4, 14. First two scriptures relate to Jesus himself. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Luke 4:36. Amazed, the people exclaimed, "What authority and power this man, Jesus, 
this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. Now listen. Yeah, that was Jesus, right? The power available to us, the power Paul is praying that the Ephesians would experience is the same power under which Jesus operated. Can you believe it? Anyone who believes in me will do the same things that I was doing. There's so many verses we could look at. I almost made it just about Jesus, but I think there's some other points to bring out, so I'm stopping here, but there's so many verses we could use just on this one one aspect. The same power that was in Jesus is available to us. It's in us because he's in us. Moving on, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority. Don't miss that. That's where we usually read right over. Jesus called together his 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority to cast out demons, to heal all diseases. He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. The same power of God, are you with me? The same power of God under which Jesus operated was passed on to his disciples, his followers, to extend his ministry on earth. Jesus didn't keep it to himself. He gave it to his followers. Mind-blowing. What do you think they thought? We'd rather he does it, not us. Then he gets in trouble, not us. The same power of God that operated in Jesus was given to his disciples. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The same power under which Jesus operated which was passed on to his disciples, was also passed on at Pentecost to, his, to the 120 ordinary believers. The same power under which Jesus operated was passed on to the church at Pentecost. 120 ordinary believers. Some people will say, well, you know what? If we are going to believe it, we'll just believe that it was for the apostles back then. And maybe just a few pillars. But it was passed on to 120 ordinary believers like you and me at Pentecost when the church was birthed. So the power of God was given to the church. Acts 6.8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and what? Performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. The apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly, Acts 14.3. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Now, I'm emphasizing certain parts of these verses because I think we skip over them. So this is hard for us to believe today. But in this verse and the verse before it was Stephen, who did the miracles? 
Oh, well, it was God. Nobody's, nobody's willing to answer that. Who did the miracles? Oh, well, well, it was God that did the miracles. What does it say? God gave Stephen the power to do amazing miracles. The apostles stayed there, preached boldly, and the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miracles. That's so foreign to the way we think today. On purpose. Satan has stolen it from the church. All of us in here have grown up in a, in a church climate where we were not really taught that. Am I right? It's hard for us to believe. And it's unquestionably his power. We know that. But they were the conduits of his power. They did the works. If anyone believes in me, he will do the same works that I have done. They did the works. We're called to do the works. They performed the miracles. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. And Heather, I'm glad you're here because I hope that you can kind of substantiate this. But Heather was in the hospital with stomach pains. Is this correct? And they really weren't able to find out what it was. Your mom and dad, or Sonny and Donna and I, went to the hospital, and you were writhing in pain. I mean, you know, when you're really in pain, you can't lay still, and, and you kind of moan, and you groan. And that was the state of Heather, and we felt totally helpless in that situation. And then somebody, I think, said, we should pray. And... Uh, course they said pastor why don't you pray I'm like why don't you pray (laughs) but I thought I went to pray and I didn't have anything to pray nothing would come out to pray so finally I heard this voice say hub you heal her yeah you heal her so the pressure got so great because nobody was praying. We were all standing there in silence, so I blurted out, Heather, be healed in the name of Jesus. Pain in her stomach, you need to flee. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. And then I started to pray, but all of a sudden I noticed, hey, Heather's not writhing around anymore in the bed. Heather's not moaning or groaning anymore. And I just stopped, and I looked, and I said, Heather, what's going on? And she said, the pain is gone, and it feels so good. But he said, you heal her. And I'm like, "Mm." they did the miracles. He gave them the power to do it. We kind of recoil at that thought. Are you kidding me? Am I right? Well, the reason this seems to be so foreign to us isn't because it's not in Scripture. It's not because we haven't read it. It's because it's been stolen from us. You are so much more than you realize you are in Christ. He has so much more for you than you realize he has for you. And that's what Ephesians is all about. Acts 19, 11, and 20. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. That's what happens when we operate in the power of God. The gospel advances and people get saved. 
Yeah, there's miracles and signs and wonders, but that's not what we're called to focus on. We're just called to do that so people will come to know the Lord. So they'll be amazed and they'll be drawn to him. As soon as you start to take credit or glory for it for yourself, God will shut it down. He'll humble you and then he'll put you back out there again. And if you have never been humbled by God, you don't want to be. Whenever I start to get to that place where I feel I'm getting a little proud or a little puffed up, I'm like, no, I know how God deals with me when I get to that place. I don't want to go there. It is not pleasant. It ain't pleasant. So under Paul's ministry, the church continued to operate. The church continued to operate in the power of God as they moved out on mission with Christ. This time it was Paul who performed the miracle. It was something that he obviously had experienced because in our text today, he's now praying for the Ephesians believers that they will experience it too. So once you experience it, it's so good. You want to begin to... You want everybody to experience it. And you begin praying, God, give them that experience. Give so-and-so that experience. When Deb and I got saved, man, it was so great. We went out on the street. Now, it was like 1 a.m. in the morning, so there really wasn't anybody around. But we were looking to tell people that we just got saved because it was so great. One more verse and then the application. We could stay here all day, though, but one more verse, then the application. 1 Corinthians 4.20, something we need to learn about the kingdom in which we operate, the kingdom in which we're citizens. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. People out there don't want to just hear the talk. The talk's important. we got to give the gospel message. They want to see the walk. They want to see the power that backs it up. Aren't you tired of telling loved ones there's healing in Jesus' name and it never happens? I'm tired of that. This kingdom of which God made us a part is not just talk, but it's power. It's living by God's power. It always is. It always has been. It's especially going to be in the days ahead. I feel like the Lord said there's fierce spiritual battle going on over America these days. But I have placed a fierce anointing upon my church to win that battle. This is going to be a part of it. He's going to teach us. He has to. He's going to teach us how to walk in his power. To accomplish the tasks that he gives us to accomplish. To stand against the enemy instead of the enemy winning the day, the church winning the day. I believe in 2024, my personal opinion... I believe in 2024, we're going to see great victories for the church. But I'm, I'm not saying it's going to come easy. There's going to be clashes with the enemy. This power of God that we're talking about, that we've seen demonstrated in Scripture, is within us and acceptable to us, all true believers. Here's the problem. Uh, maybe I won't tell you the problem. Here's the problem. 
Scripture is clear that if you know the Lord, that power is fully within you. But within many of us, it lies dormant. It lies untapped and inaccessible for whatever reason, for many reasons. We're not walking in it. Pockets of the church, perhaps, but by and large, no, we're not walking in it. Paul prayed and interceded for the Ephesian believers that the power of God within them would be activated. It would become operational. It would move from the dormant state as they learned about this into a very active state for Christ. Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers that they would have a full experience of the power of God within them. Here's the application. Anyone who has heard what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, anyone who has a desire to fully experience the power of God within you, and if you know Christ, it is, you got to start there. You got to believe that it is. Even if you're not experiencing it, you got to believe that it is. It's undeniable from Scripture, it is. The Holy Spirit indwells you. I'm going to ask you in a moment to come forward. And I'm just simply going to pray over all those who came forward the exact prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that one verse. Now, here's the thing. Don't come forward for any other reason than that you've heard the Holy Spirit, what he said to the church today, and you want it. Don't come forward for any other reason. Some of you in here, not that interested in it or maybe need to understand it more. I I totally get that, especially if this is the first time you heard it. But some of you in here, your heart's been tingling all morning. Your heart's been stirred all morning because this is what you want. This is what you've been waiting for. And it's God's time for you and for me. So right now, if you want me to pray this prayer that you will begin to experience the power of God that is already within you, come forward and line up here and then I'll pray. Just line yourselves up right across the front. Warning, warning, warning. This could change your life. This could change your life. This could be life-changing. Nothing on me, everything on him. This is what he wants to do. He needs a church that can become a force to be reckoned with. He needs a church. I don't mean a church, us, Columbia Christian Fellowship. I mean church in the larger sense. He needs a church in the United States that can become a voice for righteousness and stand against evil without being obnoxious and rude, but speaking the truth in love. All right, I'm not going to belabor this point. I'm going to pray what Paul prayed and just a little bit more of my own. Go ahead. Yeah, as uh, Hub was 
uh, presenting this message. We all have power within us. Back in the room there, when we, right before we prayed and we discussed the service, that I heard a voice, and, and I felt it was from the Lord, and he told me, we are on the offensive. This year, we're stepping into the offensive zone, and with the power of Jesus, we can accomplish that. John. So if you'll just bow your heads or however, whatever receiving position you get into, arms outstretched, whatever. Heavenly Father, I pray that from your glorious unlimited resources, you will empower us right here, us, your people, this church that you've built with inner strength through your spirit. I ask you to release the fullness of your power in us, your people, to serve you and to be mighty in kingdom work, and to bring you great glory. By your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Call the band forward, and we'll close the service with worship. <laughs>